Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, everyone. We had an incredible first service. The presence of God was here. He's still here. (laughs) And I'm just excited. I get to do this twice. I'm under the spout where the glory comes out. Amen. A double portion. How many of you want a double portion? God has something for us, and I believe we're living in in, in very special times with the Christian church. I do, with all of my heart. And I've been walking with Jesus uh, this upcoming January 24. It'll be 50 years I've been a genuine Christian. I'll be 67 in August, so that means for nearly 18 years, I was just going through the motions. And uh, when I was there to have some motion. And now, because of Jesus, he's moved in my life. And I can't see myself doing anything else other than preaching the gospel. And so through all of that time, my, my relationship with Jesus Christ, I see in the Spirit and in Scripture, both combined in unity, harmony, that there is a special moment coming for the Christian church. People are losing confidence in politicians, in politics. They're even losing confidence in organized religion. And that's a good thing. We don't need religion. We need relationships. Somebody shout me down. And so with that, people have even grown tired of good entertainment. The world can provide the best there is in professional entertainment with excellence. And sometimes I think that the church winds up catching their cue from the world instead of the world catching their signals from us, the Christians. And so there's a move of the Spirit coming that's not going to be generated or facilitated by a weld-oil machine. It's a move of God that we're preparing for, I'm preparing for, and many like us are preparing for, that's going to be focused on Not just the Holy Spirit, not just Jesus, but the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Trinity working as one. There have been many moves of God that have revealed a part of the Godhead. You had the Jesus movement, the Jesus revolution, that movie from from, uh, uh, Calvary Chapel and, and Great Glory. You know, what an excellent production, and I wept through the entire film. That was a revelation of Jesus. Then you had the Azusa Street outpouring prior to that, which was a revelation of the Holy Spirit. And then you had a reignition during the charismatic renewal of the Holy Spirit. And then the Word of Faith movement, another reignition of Jesus. And then in the 90s, there was an outpouring that focused on the first person of the Godhead, the Father. God has revealed all parts of His being to the church. But now, a wave of the Holy Spirit that's going to hit, and it will hit, hit the wave, not the Holy Spirit, is going to usher in, with all my heart, I know, an end-time revival. But it won't be focused on just one part. But the Christian church will be in symphony with God Himself. I brought out last week how there is a chain of authority 
And it's important that we as believers understand this, especially preachers who are directing and discipling the saints under their care. But when you look at the life of Jesus and when you look at the Trinity, God the Father is the ultimate person of authority. Jesus is subservial to the Father. Remember when Jesus took on human form, human flesh. Everywhere he went, he said, the words I speak are not my own, but the words of him who sent me. The deeds I do are not my own, but the deeds of him who sent me. Everything I do, I do not of my own, but by the will of my heavenly Father. As Jesus is subservial to the Father, the Father and the Word, one, the Holy Spirit then, when Jesus walked the earth, why was he able to do what he did? He had placed himself in a position of limitation. He took on a human body. He started as low on the chain as you can in regards to vulnerability. As an infant, couldn't care for his own personal needs, couldn't feed himself. Like all of us and the children, we have been influencers in their lives. He needed care. He needed education. The human side of him had to mature. Then when his ministry launched, look at what he was able to accomplish. He purposely took on human form so that he could set the example and show us what is possible as human beings that are followers and lovers of Almighty God if we will allow, as he did, the Holy Spirit to flow in us and through us. Everything he did, Jesus was the Word made flesh, right? And when creation took place in Genesis, the Spirit of God, it says in Scripture, was hovering over the face of the deep. Hovering, inactive, fully armed, but not active. And it wasn't until God spoke, the Word was released, and we know the Word is Jesus, that the Holy Spirit responded to the Word. And when Jesus said, the Word said, God Himself, let there be, first was light, there was light. Just as Jesus is subservial to the Father, the Holy Spirit serves Jesus. And who are we subservient to? The Holy Spirit. Yet the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit Himself, He's been forgotten by so many churches and, and people throughout the ages, focusing on the Father, focusing on God the Son. Amen. I've equated it like this. It's like having a three-cylinder vehicle. I remember as a, boy, a young man, I wanted to have a TR, uh, TR6. It was a, a, a Triumph, a sports car, two-seater, and the previous, the, 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 the previous car before that was a TR3. My uncle had one of those, three cylinders. Can you imagine if you have a three-cylinder vehicle, but you're only running on two? To have full capacity, full power, full efficiency, you need all three cylinders functioning appropriately. And it's no different with how God operates and moves. The three are one. We cannot operate without the Holy Spirit. And when I say that, I don't mean shouting. I don't mean dancing, although I love to shout. 
And I love to dance as much as my back will allow me in the Holy Ghost. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what we're going to address over the next four weeks. Focusing on the purpose of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. Power without purpose is confusion. But power and purpose functioning and operating together as one brings change. So today we're going to begin by looking at the Holy Spirit's identity. Do you know he does not have an identity crisis? He knows who he is, but he wants us, the Christian church, and even those that don't know him yet, to understand his identity. That's why we'll begin this four-week series by looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, we hear his name mentioned often, don't we? The Holy Spirit, this, the Spirit of God spoke to me. But how well do we understand And we really need to self-assess how well, honestly, do we understand who he is and what he does. Sometimes we feel like because we've been in the way, and and even for us as Pentecostals, Charismatics, we've been spirit-filled and walking in in that knowledge and that relationship for so long. We've learned everything we can learn, but we will never exhaust the mind of God as long as we're in human form. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 13 when he said, now we know in part, we see in part. It's like looking in a mirror that's foggy, right? You can pick out and see certain images, but you don't fully see yet. But then Paul continued and said, but when we were with him face to face, then we will know as he knows and understand as he understands. So we will never exhaust our ability to gain greater and deeper knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why... We need to begin by understanding that I have referenced and titled this message today, The Person of the Holy Spirit. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit is not a force. You'll not find that anywhere in Scripture. The Holy Spirit is not referenced ever in the Word of God, that's our measuring stick, say amen, Amen. as it. In fact, you'll find in the Hebrew and in the Greek, Whenever the Holy Spirit is referenced, He's always referenced in the masculine gender. What am I saying? He is a person. The person of the Holy Spirit. God the Father is a person. God the Son is a person. And God the Holy Spirit, He is a person. His identity, His personhood are reflected in everything He does and who He is. In Scripture, you'll find, again, when they reference the Holy Spirit, they reference Him in personhood. The Bible is clear. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. That's why all throughout the Word you see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, it may sound like a little bit of redundancy, but I just want to make my point that the Holy Spirit, He is more than just a presence. He is a person. And his purpose is twofold. He empowers and fulfills. Did you hear that? He empowers and fulfills what? The will of the Father. We see this exemplified in the life and ministry of Jesus. And the same is true for the Christian church. He wants to empower and fulfill the will of God the Father through us. 
Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, bestowed upon us the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, the good news. The good news is not only salvation, our dead spirit coming back to life for the Holy Spirit himself to take up residence within us, but the good news is, is Jesus still breaks the chains of demonic strongholds and addictions. Jesus still heals the sick in body. The same God who parted the Red Seas, the same God who brought down the walls of Jericho, and the same God that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the same God who desires to flow in us and through us to continue to fulfill His purposes until His Son returns. It's a fact. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, I believe it too. Amen. It's imperative to understand His ways. The Holy Spirit, He is the one. Listen, when we speak on God's behalf, we become God's mouthpiece. Whether we're on the job, we're in our homes, we're in the grocery store attending to our daily needs, wherever we may be, when God presents us with an opportunity to speak to someone else on His behalf, whether one-on-one or to a group of people, we are there as His messenger. And the reason the Holy Spirit needs to be with us, and He needs to have freedom to flow through us in those God-given moments, as well as our times alone when we're existing and depending on His care and protection, The reason we need Him there is because the Holy Spirit is the one who authenticates then the message, which then in return authenticates the messenger. When you speak and someone resonates with what you're saying, because the Holy Spirit brings life to what you're saying, it may not be eloquent, it may not be educated from some some people's perspective, but if it's anointed by the Spirit of God, and God is speaking life and truth and hope, into someone else because you took a moment to care and to do what Jesus does. The Holy Spirit will cause those words to resonate in order to bring change, in order to restore or even bring relationship between that person and Almighty God. You may speak health and healing, pray for someone, and a miracle happens. Just like I shared earlier when we prayed last Sunday for Stephanie's stepmother. And God supernaturally intervened. He's been doing a lot of that lately, hasn't he? Amen. Lord, we ask for more. But all of that, when the Holy Spirit authenticates and brings anointing and power and life, I like that. Everybody say life. When something's alive, it produces results. When he brings life to our prayer, our words, that's when people change. And then that establishes a trust in the messenger that God is with them. Even Jesus, he could have just preached truth, but he didn't. His entire ministry, the Holy Spirit confirmed with signs and wonders the message Jesus brought to the people. Whether alone with a woman at the well and Jesus knew everything about her, that was one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation. Word of knowledge. He didn't know her, but the Holy Spirit did. And the Holy Spirit revealed to Jesus what needed to be revealed so that as he, the messenger, would challenge her in her walk with the Father. She would listen 
she would receive. The whole phrase, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did was because the Holy Spirit of God within Jesus authenticated the message and the words of Jesus. No more than when the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep, as I said earlier, and God said, let there be. The word was released and the word brought results. That's what he wants to do through all of us. We can't establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven if we're not walking in the spirit. Doesn't Paul say in Galatians, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh? Walking in the spirit. The Bible also speaks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Do you know one day all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit will be no more? There are some non-Pentecostals who feel like that happened when the Bible got printed and was canonized. I got news for them. They're wrong. But there'll be no more gifts of the Spirit because the kingdom of darkness will be abolished and gone. There'll be no more sickness and disease. There'll be no more partial knowledge. We will know as He knows. But the fruits of the Holy Spirit, nine in total, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, are eternal. They are, in fact, theologians bring out, and the Scripture teaches this, they are the attributes of, of God. God is love. He is joy. He is peace. He is long-suffering. Aren't you glad He's patient with you? And I'm glad He's patient with me. They are eternal. But one day, there'll be no more gifts. But until that day, if the Lord's prayer is going to be fulfilled... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then we must be walking in the Spirit. And I'm not just talking about going to a church service and, and just getting our praise on. You know, it's, it's wonderful. What a wonderful time of worship we had this morning. But I'm talking about when we leave the house and we're out in the world that doesn't know Jesus. When we're in our own homes, when no one else is watching but the Lord. You know, when we are walking in the Spirit, that empowers us for those divine moments, those divine appointments where we can make a difference. Do you know every great revival recorded in history from the day of Pentecost all the way up to this present day and age? It didn't happen because of a great campaign. It wasn't a crusade, crusade gathering in a, in, a, in a stadium. And it wasn't because of television ministry. God uses those things. They're not wrong, but it didn't happen because of that. All of the revivals we see recorded in history from Pentecost to this present day and age happened when one life was changed and they shared what they received with another life and that all of a sudden a domino effect began to happen. Bang, bang, bang. People began to hear the message and they responded to it and friends began to bring friends to church and, and to Christian gatherings. And before you know it, Culture changed and history was changed forever. All because of the presence of God. But it wasn't because of some man-made event. It was because of God intervening and invading the hearts and lives of people. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, send another invasion to this planet. We talk about Putin invading uh, Ukraine. Awful thing. We need a Holy Ghost invasion. And I know that's coming. That's why, again, I felt to teach on the Holy Spirit. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul says this when speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom. In other words, 
He was not a polished pulpiteer. Declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined, and this is how we need to be. We need to resolve. We need to be determined not to glorify ourselves or to look good to men, but just simply empty ourselves so God can do something significant. He says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The gospel message is simple. Jesus was crucified to break the back of the devil, pay the cost of sin, so that we could be redeemed and become just like Jesus. Amen? Verse 3, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. You know, when we understand what we are apart from the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that's a good thing. He didn't have a poor self-image here. He just understood the usefulness of the flesh. Nothing. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But I love this last portion of the sentence. But in demonstration, everybody say demonstration. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's what it's all about. I thank God for academia. I thank God for my ac academic achievements. But I take new pride in them. All that they have become to me is a key to unlock a door so my voice can have entrance into another arena and make a difference. That's it. It was another key. But it doesn't glorify me. It just gives me a broader audience. And so when we understand where we are, who we are apart from God, and then what we can become with Him, it changes how we do everything. I believe with all my heart, people aren't looking for entertainment any longer. People want God's presence. I touched on that in my introduction. And this is what set Jesus apart from everyone else during his three and one half years of ministry. Do you know there's no record of a worship team that ever accompanied Jesus? He had no AV, audio video. He had no television ministry. Again, all of those things become tools and they're important. Scripture talks to us. It's imperative to worship. But sometimes we can have so much confidence in a methodology that we make that methodology or that tool like the Holy Spirit, and it's not. He cannot be replaced. When the Christian church was given birth, only 120 were gathered in an upper room. And when the Holy Spirit came upon them, instantly the miracle of multiplication took place. Last week we saw how they went from the upper room to the streets. Ten-minute sermon. I could learn from Peter on that one because I'm preaching a lot longer than ten minutes today. 10-minute message, and 3,000 were saved. Their names added to the Lamb's Book of Life. Why? Because of the anointing. So what am I saying? Understanding who the Holy Spirit is and how He demonstrates His power, that is what produces lasting change in us 
and then into the lives of others. How many of you want that? How many of you want to understand who the Holy Spirit is more deeply and how He demonstrates His power so that there can be not only lasting change in you, but God can use you as an instrument to bring lasting change in the lives of others who so desperately need the Lord? How many want that? Just wave me down. When this happens, it will translate into the preaching. What do I mean by preaching? We're all preachers. Look at the person next to you and say, or behind you, in front of you, and say, you're a preacher. And I'm going to clarify that now, but you are. You're a preacher. God always intended for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to accompany the preaching of the gospel. The power of God and the message of Jesus, whether shared one-on-one, remember Philip, the evangelist, saw an Ethiopian man. He was reading a chapter from the Torah, Isaiah chapter 53. Didn't understand. At that moment, Philip went, had an audience of one. The power of God moved. This Ethiopian man got saved. And then they said, I need to be baptized. They looked for a body of water. Maybe a puddle, a pond, whatever. But something large enough to get this man under and out. Which, by the way, if you've not been baptized since your salvation experience... You need to do it. If you have never followed the Lord's command of baptism by immersion, I'm not talking about being sprinkled or having water poured on our heads. That is a blessing. But that is not the baptism Jesus actually participated in and commanded us to do. When Jesus was baptized, he was 30 years of age, and his ministry could not begin until he followed that obedience. He was setting the standard, the example. So I encourage you, if you've not been baptized since you gave your heart to Jesus as an adult, where you can understand why you're being baptized, then the sign-up sheet is out in the lobby. Put your name down or contact myself at the office anytime, and we can talk further. By the way, that's not in my notes. God... His power and the message He wants us to share always go hand in hand. God would never send us into the battlefield without everything we need to advance the mission, to advance the cause, to advance His kingdom. Look at Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 2.4. He says, in my speech, that word speech in the Greek means my words, instruction, or my doctrine. Then he says, and my preaching, which is my presentation or my officiation. We're not with persuasive, which means enticing, flattering, or manipulative words. And then he expands more of human wisdom. In other words, it wasn't based on intelligence, academia, knowledge, skill, or discretion. But he says, my message, the words I shared, were based on the demonstration of the spirit and of power. You ever hear the term put up or shut up? Sometimes one of the idioms of life, talk is cheap, and honestly it really is. There comes a point where you have to stand up. And when we're faithful to God, God says, if you'll stand up, I'll put up. I'll put up a hedge of protection. I'll put up an anointing upon your head so that when you share, I will authenticate the words you speak on my behalf with my power. The Holy Spirit is waiting for your obedience. 
whether for me when I speak to a church congregation or at an event, a conference, and I'm speaking to a multitude of people, or whether I'm one-on-one with someone in a grocery store or wherever that may be, I need all of the Holy Spirit so that I'm just not encouraging people, but I'm speaking change into people. And only the Spirit of God can do that. How many of you want to be used like that? Say amen. Amen. You see, when we understand what Paul is saying, then we understand also that everything he did was beyond human influence. And that's where God wants to position us as Christians. Yes, we're available, but we're not trying to use anything as a substitute for the Holy Spirit moving in someone's heart and life. No substitutes for the Holy Spirit's. We don't want to persuade people or influence them. We want people on their own because God is touching their heart that they respond to God's invitation by saying, yes, yes. God doesn't want people focusing on a man's gift, and that's why he works that way. You see, if it's all about how anointed a man is, then people glorify the man. But when we understand it's not about drawing attention to ourselves, but allowing God to receive all of the credit, then people aren't focusing on a man's gift, but rather on his gifts, the Holy Spirit's. That's why ministry isn't about talent. Some people feel like, well, God couldn't use me. I'm not so talented. I'm uncomfortable when I speak to people. You know, I'm not a a very outgoing individual. All of that may be true, but that has nothing to do with the anointing of God moving on your life. It's not about how talented or untalented we may feel we are. It's also not about how much earthly success we have, may have attained in our lifetime. You know, there are a lot of people, and, and, and this is just human nature, they equate success with numbers, right? And then they feel like if the numbers are good, it must be right. It's producing results. Well, I think God would differ with that because the cartels are doing very good and very successful and have great numbers, but yet the whole cause they stand behind is not God. There are other false religions that gain multitudes, a crowd of people. But it's not with the approval or the intervention of the Holy Spirit. The Word and the Spirit of God always work together in harmony. And that's why if you feel like, oh, you know, I I haven't really led that many people to the Lord, or I've never really even shared my faith with an individual Don't allow your past to determine your obedience in the present. If God says, reach out, do it. Do it. And when we do this, then when God shows up on our behalf, who gets the credit? He does. Because we know in and of our own strength, I could never do that. That's impossible. That's not me. It had to be God. You know, I look at all of the times I've prayed for people over the years. There was even when I was building my last church, we were in a great revival. And then my body mysteriously got sick. And I've shared parts of this before. And the doctors couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. That's because it wasn't of this world. It was an actual spiritual attack against my life. We had broken ground on our new facility, and and the devil didn't take that sitting down. So this mysterious disease, they couldn't discover, couldn't, you know, find the cause or the root. So I just kept preaching. Everybody I prayed for, I saw cancers healed. I, I, I saw people left for dead, restored, brought back, brought back to having an extended period of life, serving the Lord. And one day I just said, Lord, I'm not praying for the sick anymore. I'm a hypocrite. 
And God knew the answer, but he asked me a question for my behalf, not his. And he said, well, why are you a hypocrite? I said, because I'm sick and not healed, and I'm praying for people who are sick and they're getting healed, and if I can't get healed, who am I to pray for others who need to be healed? And then the Lord challenged me, and he said, Craig, do you believe in healing because you've experienced it or because it's in my word? Well, I repented very quickly. Three weeks later, I was healed. Gone. As mysteriously as it came, it left. So I always say, obedience is the, is the key to every blessing and breakthrough we need in life. If God is telling you to do something, then do it. Amy, I was so blessed when you were baptized. In the midst of all of that health struggle, and doctors may have said, well, that's maybe not advisable. Why don't you wait? But you knew the Holy Spirit told you you were to be water baptized since you came to know Jesus. And God honored you. And look at you here all healthy with a nice head of hair. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Obedience. Where would we be if we missed our opportunity to obey? God doesn't need us to get the job done. But by His grace, He uses us so we can be blessed in the process of Him moving through us into another person's life. I love how God works. Amen? So God always wants to receive the credit for whatever He does. I love what Kenneth Hagin said. I sat under His ministry for many years, had the privilege of, of being able to do that during His lifetime. And there was one quote that he made, and I think it's very apropos, and I want to share it with all of you. He said this, he said, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will always uplift the lordship of Jesus Christ, not the lordship of some person. God never wants to share his glory with anyone else. And when we have this mindset, when we understand this, that is what releases God's power. How many of you want God's power in your life? in your home, in your families. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know what they are? They're God's stamp of approval that the message we preach is true. When's the last time you heard a testimony? Oh, I was healed in the name of Buddha. I cried out to Allah and I was delivered from demon possession. You, you don't hear those. It's only in the Christian church where the power of God and the presence of God has freedom to move through people who believe he's still the same today as he was yesterday. God wants to give his stamp of approval to the message of Jesus. Remember, the Holy Spirit is always subservial to the needs of Jesus. And so when you look at 1 Corinthians 2.4, Paul says, In my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration, again, manifestation, proof. I like this, exhibition. God likes to put on a show, an exhibition. But in demonstration, and then he says, of the spirit and of power, dunamis, strength, miracle working ability, might, resource, or influence. The gifts of the spirit, they speak. They will influence people to want to know the God who is the source behind that miraculous demonstration. Good friend of mine, Dr. Ed Nelson, has preached all over the world. He was invited to join a missionary friend of his in India. And he went, when he went into this Indian village, small village, as he entered, and he hadn't hooked up yet with the missionary who was there, he heard the noise of weeping all through the streets, from hut to hut. It was a very remote area. 
Finally, he walked up to one of the people on the streets, one of, one of the village people, and he said, why is everyone so sad? And why are they all distraught? And why all of the weeping? And the man responded and he said, the Hindu gods are angry with us. And because of that, we have not had rain in seven years. And our Hindu teachings say that a widow must die, be burned alive, in order to appease our gods so that they will take away their anger and then bring the rain. My missionary, fr- or my, my, my missionary friend, he said, this is unacceptable. He goes, I want to challenge your gods. And I am proclaiming right now that my God will bring rain before morning. That's a pretty bold statement. Seven years, there had been no rain. If what he says doesn't come to pass, if they're burning someone of their own tribe, ethnicity, and religious religious belief, what are they going to do with someone who is in opposition and then oppose them? He lifted his eyes towards heaven. Then his missionary friend came and saw him. They both prayed together, and he said, Father, in the name of Jesus... I defy the gods of this Hindu faith, and I proclaim the name of Jesus over the heavens, over the weather, and I ask in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you would bring the rain and show these people there's only one true God. Within the hour, the winds began to swirl. Then all of a sudden, they heard the sound of thunder. Then the first drop, the second Finally, a heavy downpour was released. And for seven days, nonstop, God saturated that land in that area only with rain and water. The whole village during the storm came out, renounced their Hindu faith, and proclaimed Jesus Christ. Great revival. Why? Because the Holy Spirit showed up to authenticate the message of his messenger. And when the two worked in harmony, revival hit, the power of God was revealed. Where is the church? We need to believe for big things again. We need to move beyond depending on the arm of the flesh and say, Lord, we are believing for a breakthrough in our nation. In other nations, there is a harvest coming. There is a heavenly rain that's going to saturate this earth before the return of Jesus Christ. And he is coming again. And in order for that outpouring to happen, we need to be available vessels in his hands. How many of you want to be used by God? How many of you want to make a difference? How many of you are thinking, I don't quite get what you're saying, but I like it and I think I'd like to be a part of it? God hasn't changed. People do. No wonder churches are emptying out. They want the real thing. When you hear and see people turning to Satanism even, as I mentioned, the school where you teach, Debbie, has an after-school satanic worship club. People are hungry because the church, Christians, and I don't mean just on a Sunday service, I mean in our daily living, we have abandoned God's supernatural presence. They want what's authentic. And as we return to the roots of the church, where did they begin? First at the cross, and then the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Return 
to your roots. And then take what you get from God everywhere you go. Don't wait for Sunday. Sunday's just a family dinner. It's a celebration. The real ministry takes place from Monday to Saturday. Are you hearing me? Praise the Lord. To move in the gifts of the Spirit, it's imperative to understand my closing point, their purpose. The purpose of the gifts, God's power, is about enlarging God's kingdom. That's it. It's not about, a, it's not about enlarging our kingdom. It's not about gaining a bigger Twitter following, right? More friends on Facebook, getting more donations into your church or your, whatever your power church ministry might be. It's not about us. It's all about the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom be done, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I love what Paul says. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is what? The power of God. To salvation. For everyone who believes. Everyone. The power of God to salvation. Power means miracle working ability. Salvation meaning deliverance, freedom. People are looking for something or someone to believe in. Let's give them the real Jesus. Amen? Amen. How many of you remember your life before Christ? How many of you would be content to have anything less than all that Jesus desires to give us? The Lord has no favorites. He doesn't love one above another. Others may walk in greater levels of obedience and see the fruits thereof. But the promises of God are for all people. They're yea and amen. Yes, and so be it. And when we obey God's principles, His Word, He'll bless it. You'll prosper. You'll be blessed in the city. Blessed in the field. This is Deuteronomy 28. Blessed when you come and when you go. I think I'll take that. Hallelujah. Wherever we go, we become a supernatural influence. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And when we are walking in this kind of power that Paul says, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and then also the Greek, then what happens, it magnifies the Lord and God gets the credit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.5, why does God move like that? Why was it important to empty himself so God could move unhindered through him? He says, so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If people have faith in us, sooner or later we're going to let them down. But if their faith is in God, no matter what people do, they'll still be consistent. Why? Because Jesus never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, I wonder if Jesus is going to get caught in some awful sin. No, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's holy. Sin has no grip upon him. Sin lost its grip on anyone that would profess his name when he was crucified and then resurrected from the dead. Jesus never fails. He is our focus. That's why we need to point people to Christ. Not organizations and not even us. Point them to Christ. Even Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. When the Lord is glorified, it magnifies him. Hallelujah. And this is what happened in Mark's gospel, chapter 16, verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. They weren't in church. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. 
the Holy Spirit. He will always confirm our message. In closing, conclusion, I'm going to leave you with this. The same Holy Spirit who led you to Jesus will empower you to be like Jesus. Do you hear me? It's all about Him. The same Holy Spirit who opened your eyes and brought you to Jesus is the same Holy Spirit who will empower you. It's time to embrace the person of the Holy Spirit. What I want to do is the musicians make their way back to the platform. I want to open up these altars, give you an opportunity just to do one thing. Ask God to open your eyes to the person of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me in even greater measure. Ask Him. James says you have not because you don't ask. So ask Him if you really want this, and I know God wants it more than you do. But if you really want this kind of effectiveness, you're tired of going through the motions, boring Christianity, and you want the real deal, the authentic, then when we stand, let's all stand now, and when we open these altars up, you just come, you and Jesus, that's it. That's it. And just say, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me. I want you to enlarge my knowledge, my relationship with you. The more you grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, the more you will grow in your relationship with Jesus and God the Father. Because the Holy Spirit always and only points people to Jesus. So ask the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.